You're listening to City Church. Well, if you're new, you have come on what is a special Sunday for us. Um, Carol Samuelson, many Woo! of you know. Yeah. Yeah. So excited, so excited. Carol and I served at a previous church together before we uh, ended up back here at State Church together. And uh, I remember it was about three or so years ago. Um, you were uh, part of the worship team and, and a part of the church. Scott was serving sound, who's on the soundboard back there, serving faithfully. And you came to us and you said, you know, there's this new church planting in New Haven, and uh, it's basically all 25-year-olds. And that was true back then. It was about 50 folks, all of whom were 25, and you said, we really feel like God is calling us to this church to serve as a spiritual mother and father uh, to this church uh, full of young people. And it's safe to say you have been that. You and Scott have been that. Uh, many of you have been to Carol's home. Uh, she opens it regularly. If you've not been there yet, stick around long enough and you will end up there for a meal where you will be well-fed and well-loved. And so we appreciate you, uh, you and your husband, Scott. Scott, we love you as well. So can we just welcome Carol?
Um, when we came to City Church, we really thought that we were going to come, we were going to be parents, we were going to love everybody, we were going to care for everybody. I had no idea that God was going to take my life and everything that I had lived by, and he was going to just redo it all from the very beginning. And it started middle of last year. Um, Justin challenged us in one of his sermons. He said, just, you know, talk big about prayer. He says, start praying. Choose some things to pray for. And I chose four things. Be careful. Be careful what you pray for. I chose four things to pray, and I prayed that, that God would bring revival. And we saw City Church Bridgeport planted. And that was such an amazing experience. I prayed that he would take care of my parents as they were looking for the next stage of their life. I prayed that he would build our marriage stronger. I prayed that my children would stand before him independently in their own worth before the Lord. But I didn't realize what it was going to cost me, and it cost, um, we almost lost a grandchild. And then that summer, Scott and I went to Rwanda, and I can't begin to tell you what, what happened to my heart. And all of these things started to happen, and God started to move things. And I remember December 23rd was a night that, last year, December 23rd, so it's almost a year, when God and I had a little talk, and that talk lasted all night. And so I'm celebrating, I feel like an Alcoholics Anonymous or something, I'm celebrating one year of, of this new life with the Lord. And the thing that God taught me was that as much as I had served him and loved him and, and worshipped him and given my heart to him, there was one area of my life that I was really sinning in and that I was really aching in. And that was that I was living in lies. I, I believed what God said, I trusted him, but there were lies that kept replaying in my mind. And some of the lies, I just wrote them down, my lies, you've probably got your own, but some of the lies were, were that God's forgotten me. In the middle of a hard time, God's forgotten me. Or that he cannot, or, he, or worse still, that he won't intervene and fix in my life. Lies that God doesn't care, that I don't need God. Um, that my past is so ingrained in me that he'll never be able to use me. Even lies of, is he real? Does he know what's going on here? Um, my problems are too big. And as I went through these lies and so on, God just challenged me and he said, you need to stop living in those lies because the reality was I was living in those lies to the point where my life was consumed with anxiety and depression. And so what happened was on the outside, I looked good. <laughs> okay, you're supposed to clap. children and a very handsome son-in-law. That's for you, Nick. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful grandkids. I was at the pinnacle, can you say doctor, of my career. I was like, I had it all. But what people didn't know was that on the inside, I kept battling these lies. And I really hope there's somebody else out here that understands what I'm talking about. Just nod your head if you could get this part. You know, I was battling these lies. And so God came to me and he said, it's time for us to address this issue. Because I was living with such fear that I would lose. Do you understand what I mean by that? I'd lose my kids, or I'd, I'd lose things that I valued, or I'd, I'd... God said, it's time. We're gonna take care of this. 
So what I want to talk today is about the truth about lies. And I want to just tell you a little bit about this journey and how God's helped me become free of these lies and just kind of share a little of my story. The first truth I want to talk about is that we are in a battle for the truth. The reality is that there is a battle going on around us. If you look at John 8, 44 verse B, it says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and he's a father of lies. John 10, 10 describes him as this, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The bottom line is we're living in a battleground. Even Jesus faced a battleground. It was so ironic this morning in my quiet time. Um, God brought me to Matthew 4 in the desert when he's being tempted by Satan. This idea of being tempted by the father of lies is real. And we're in a battle zone. Satan's primary choice of technique is deception. He wants us to believe something that's not true. He wants us to believe that we're so far gone that there's no way we can come back. He wants us to believe that God can't possibly use us because I'm 54, almost 54, in the, in the church of people half or less my age. And this is the lie that I've been living in. Um, the question I had in this battleground was, it seems to me that if lies produce pain and depression and anxiety and sadness and fear, why do we gravitate to them? I don't know if I'm the only one, but I, can, I always want to go there. It's like it's just there, and I just always want to go swim in it. And there's some reasons, you know, sometimes if we're tired or we're overwhelmed or we're, you know, just all kinds of reasons like that. But I have found in my life that there are sometimes that I choose to go to the lies. And I just wrote down a few of them and some of the scriptures that have kind of worked with me. And if you notice, I'm going to use a lot of scriptures because that's my truth base. That's where I find the truth in this. One of the reasons um, is that we're vulnerable um, when we wallow in the darkness. Do you understand what I mean by that? Where um, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers and believers so they cannot see the light. A lot of times we wallow in the darkness. For some reason, it feels like a safe place. Again, it's a lie, because it's really not. It's depressing and it's sad. But we tend to like to look at old wrongs, our old hurts, our old failures. We just wallow, if I had, uh, yeah, wallowing. Um, another reason where I'm vulnerable is that um, a lot of times I choose myths over truth. Um, 2 Timothy 4.4 is a verse that has just resonated in my soul. It says, they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they turn aside to myths. And I find that I so quickly turn to stories that I've created. I turn to the way the world defines me. Uh, another way of vulnerable is I start to value things rather than him. Another verse, Romans 1.25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things 
rather than greater. And I found that so much I have been, I was during this time period, I was being the author of my own story. Are you understanding what I mean by this? That I was creating my story. And then I wondered why I wasn't happy or why I was always fearful. Um, I'm a historian. You all know that. It was, I love history. As part of um, this man named Augustine, St. Augustine, and one of his quotes that just has, my dad actually told me this quote when I was a child. Um, Augustine said that God has created within us a void, a God-shaped vacuum that only he can fill. And when I'm writing my own story, and when I'm vulnerable and wallowing in the lies, and when I'm choosing to fall into the battle and give up before I even get started, I start to find that there's sadness, and I start to find sorrow. My question for you is, where are you vulnerable? Where are you wallowing? Because the second truth that's really come home to me this year is that the source of truth is only in God. The only way we can find God is, is, is in truth and in Him. I read John 10.10, 10, which talked about the thief coming to steal and kill and destroy. But the second part of that verse says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The reality is that if we choose anything else to bring us joy, to bring us comfort, to bring us peace, to bring us meaning, it's a moving target. It always is shifting. If I get this promotion, I'm home. If my kids are graduating from college, I'm home, I'm perfect. If, you know, this whole Christmas, do you understand what I mean by that? If we have the Norman Rockwell pretty Christmas scene, I'm golden. And the bottom line is everything's a target if it's not centered on him. I just have five things about God that have really spoken to me this year. And I just kind of wanted to share with you one of them. First one is that, that the truth, God's word, is declared, declaring his truth. The truth is only found in God's word. Um, words have power. Words have meaning. Words that we hear, words that we speak, have incredible meaning. Um, I tend to have a mouth. Do you all understand what I mean by that? I just, and I tend to have, you know, in the past I've, and in the present, that's not me lying up here. Um, I tend to just like, a lot of times just, and you know, my mouth just gets going and I say things and so on. And I know that my words in the past have wounded people. And I know I've been wounded by words. And words are very, very powerful. Um, I teach psychology. I'm, if you don't, don't know anything about me, I'm a high school teacher taught college, but I decided I like high school better. Um, I teach seniors, I teach AP European history, and I teach psychology. In our psych class, we were studying memories. And we were talking about constructed memories and how easy it is to build a constructed memory in someone's memory bank just by the words you say. You know, how hard did Tracy hit Chris? Well, Tracy may not have even hit him, but if I said, how hard did you punch him? You're willing to see that there was an interaction, even when there wasn't anything there. And words create truth. So the only place I can go to are God's words, because any of the words I can't trust. Um, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, Satan came up with all kinds of lies to him. 
And in every time, he spoke God's truth to him. He spoke scripture. He spoke Bible verses. Um, I've been reading the, about the life of David in my quiet time. And David really had a rocky road life. He just, like, every time he turned around, he was blowing it, he was having an affair, or he was, you know, being chased, or was hunted, or his son was being, betraying him. I mean, the man had so many issues in his life. But as I read his life, and then I read the Psalms, when he was facing all those lies, he went to God's word. One of the darkest nights um, in this last year when I was just really asking God to speak truth, he, he took me to Psalm 30. And I just went through that Psalm, and I just, one after another, said, you will, you will. And I spoke his words of truth over me. You will lift me out of the depths. You will heal me. You'll bring me back to life. You'll end my weeping and bring joy in the morning. You'll turn my wailing into dancing. You'll increase my words. Psalm 30. Speaking words. So the first way that we find the source of truth is in God's word. The second way we find the source of truth is in God's character. His character explains the truth. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. I grew up in England. Uh, my, my parents were missionaries in Germany and England. And we, um, when I went to college, my parents decided to move and not tell me where they were going. I'm joking, they're actually there. They, they let me know. But they moved to a different city. And they moved to the city of Bristol. And in the city of Bristol, there's a great man of God named George Mueller. And I'm a church historian, I love all these stories. And George Mueller um, had a burden to care for the orphans of that time. And there's one account that he was writing about where it was in the morning, he had 300 orphans. Now, Eric has four kids. I can't imagine 300 orphans all getting ready for school, all coming into the cafeteria ready to eat before they go to school, and there was no food. And the people who were helping him came up to him and said, you know, um, Mr. Mueller, sorry to break this to you, but we don't have anything to feed these kids. And I don't know if you've ever had kids around, but they need to eat. It's just one of those things. And so Mueller said, you know, he, he said, I'm going to pray. And he says, I don't understand where the food's going to come from. I don't know what's going to happen. He says, but I know the character of my God. And God is faithful. And God will care for us. Those are truth words. The where is it going to come from? Those are the lies. Those are the concerns. God is faithful. And what happened was a milk cart broke down in front of the, the orphanage and they couldn't deliver the milk so they all had milk. And a baker came and he, he had overflow of food and the kids got to eat. But none of that really mattered because Mueller said, and he pointed to the fact that God's character comes through every time. I'm standing here today in front of you telling you that this is something I've lived. God's character is faithful. That's the truth. When we believe anything else, that's the lie. The third truth is that his sacrifice confirms the truth. Um, his death and resurrection settled the issue forever. 1 Corinthians 15 57 says, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. The victory through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Um, Scott and I had an incredible privilege about a month ago of going on the Encounter Weekend, and I just cannot stress to you enough if you get a chance to do that. It's an amazing time. But during one of the, um, one of the sessions, they started off actually the Encounter Weekend talking about the sacrifice of Christ. And they showed a clip of his crucifixion and the agony of his death. And then as part of our experience, we actually physically took part in nailing nails into a cross. His sacrifice confirms truth. I'm a historian. I'm an intellectual. I'm an academic. I don't accept. I'm not easily accepting. Do you understand? You know what I mean by that. I, I search things out. If you doubt the resurrection and the death of Christ, you need to do your research. It is substantiated over and over and over again. In non-biblical sources, there is proof that God did this, and God gave his son to demonstrate truth. I don't have a son, I have a son-in-law, but I, you give your child to prove something. Uh, the fourth way that God's truth um, is revealed to me is through his promises. Promises are very important to me. Genesis 28, 15, one of my most precious verses, he says, I am with you, I will watch over you wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This was a year of real clinging to God's promises. Um, one thing that I do, and I just kind of wanted to show you a little bit, give you a little glimmer of this, is that um, I find I very quickly forget his promises. Does anybody understand what I mean by that? I get consumed with what's going on around me. So what I do is when I journal, and um, it's fine if you can't read it, um, but if you take a look, I don't know if you can actually see this, but this is my journal. And every time I journal, every time he gives me a promise, I write the promise in a different color pen. And then I write in a regular color pen my response to that. Because then when I'm doubting, I go back to my journal. And just so we're clear, I only read the colored stuff. Because <laughs> the other stuff is not always scriptural. But the other stuff is, this is God's promise to me. And this morning he told me that even though I'm 54, and even though I'm way older than all the rest of you, that God had something to say and that he was within me. And I wrote it down. And then I go back to that. His promises are true, and his promises reveal his truth. The last way that I see God's truth is in his presence. He walks with us. Um, John 16, 13 says he will guide you into all truth. He's my guide. He's with me. Um, about 15 years ago, I had the experience of um, um, being diagnosed with a form of cancer called Barrett's disease. It was where my esophagus was, um, the cells were distorting, and it was kind of a, uh, kind of needed to be dealt with and so on, and it was kind of a long drawn out process. And I remember that I was one of the first 30 guinea pigs or first 30 uh, people to have a special surgery done up at Yale. 
And I remember laying out in the hall. I don't, have you ever had surgery? Do you know, do you know that part where they put you on the stretcher, but you're not in there yet, and you're cold, and you're just like, this is not going well, and we need to give me some drugs? Okay, that, that whole part there. Um, I remember laying out in the hallway, and I was lined up and ready to go in. I remember this nurse coming out to me and saying to me, um, hi, my name is, I don't even remember her name, but there, so my name is, and she brought a warm blanket, and she laid the blanket on me, and she says, I want you to know I'm going to be with you the whole way through this surgery. I said, okay. That's what he talks about in John 14, 27, my peace I leave. Not like the world gives. I'm going to stay with you. The truth is in his words, in his character, his sacrifice, his promises, and his presence. But the third main point is that we have a choice where we're going to live. And there are five things that I've kind of been practicing this year. Um, about eight years ago, we were in a dark place in our life, and we went to some dear friends of ours, who was my pastor at the time, if any of you know the Butterfields, Kevin and Carrie Butterfield. And Kevin and Carrie Butterfield prayed over us, and they prophesied over us, and they said, you're like a ship that's being tossed everywhere in the middle of the storm. He said, but the bottom line is that the anchor is sound. You're attached, you're tethered, and even when the waters roll over you, you're still attached because you're tethered. And they told, they told us that we were, you know, as I've looked back since that time, we've been hit by a lot of storms. And I, I don't want to make you miserable, but I have a feeling that we're going to have more storms this year. It's just kind of how life works. And what I've done this year is we've been hit by other storms, and we're going to continue to be hit. I've come up with five things that I do just to help myself to go back to the truth. And I just kind of wanted to share those steps with you. The first step that I do is that I submerge. The minute I find myself going towards a lie, I submerge myself in God. I lock everybody out. Now this is easy for me, I'm an introvert. And so I'd love to be alone anyway, but I lock everybody out and I submerge myself. I don't know if you've ever read a book that you've just gotten so lost in that there's not even a reality outside of that. And then you're waiting for Darcy to walk through the door. Who gets that? Okay. Okay. So when I submerge myself, I go to him and to him alone. I put on the armor of the Lord. Ephesians 6.14. I stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around my waist. I immerse myself in his words. I transform my mind alone. Um, there's lots of things that we submerge ourselves into. Um, time to be honest, since I'm speaking about truth. I have a very bad habit, and that is that I love murder mysteries. Just be careful. Yeah. I know lots of ways. I love murder mysteries, and I just submerge myself in murder mysteries. I also happen to really enjoy shopping. Someone's got to do it, and I'm willing to step up to the plate. But the bottom line is that when we're fighting that storm, and the lies are coming, the only place to submerge ourselves is in Him. And we can do that in so many ways, but we need to submerge ourselves in Him. The second thing is surrender. Now, I'm not going to mention any names because that would be embarrassing, Erica. 
Um, but one of my children, uh, when she was little, um, had a little bit of a um, strong will. Um, and <laughs> I remember one time that Erica, and she's got a strong will mom, so it worked out great. Um, one of the things that happened was I, I wanted Erica to sit down. I said, Erica, sit down. And Erica goes, no. And I said, and I'm a teacher. Erica, sit down. No. Okay. Here we go. Erica, sit down. Erica sits down. She crosses her arms and then she goes, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> I just remember that. Sorry, honey, I'll, I'll take you shopping. And that ring, every time I looked at that, was the promise that God is going to be faithful. 
celebrate when he does what he's supposed to do. Um, as you know, Katrina, I'm sorry, sweetie, it's only fair. Um, we just went and Katrina just graduated from college and it was the day we were flying back and um, we knew it was going to be a tough day anyway. She was leaving her friends. <clears throat> but I just prayed that we would see God's hand. <clears throat> we would see God's hand over us as we went back. Of course, I don't know if you saw the news, but uh, California had torrential rains, worst storm in five years. It's pouring in rain. And I said, okay, God, just show us your hand. And I just started to write down in my journal every time I saw his favor. We got to her, her apartment to move her out, and we had a space in a covered area to load the car. And she had tons of stuff. <laughs> We're driving to the airport. There are no mudslides where we are. Thank you, God. We're getting to three miles within the airport. It's torrential rain, and in Southern California, where it never rains, there's no covering at the, at the car return place. The rain stops three miles away. We get on the bus to get to the airport. We get to the airport as we're driving in. There's a rainbow over the airport. We get off the bus. There's a huge long line leading to United check-in. And this man comes up to us and goes, you've got a lot of bags. Why don't you check in at the premier place? Each one of those went into my journal. Because the bottom line is we need to celebrate and remember the final truth is that what we choose to do changes everything. Living in truth changes everything. What I cling to determines not only what's going to happen in this life, but what's going to happen in the next life. When I cling to lies, I find isolation. When I cling to truth, I find his presence. When I cling to lies, I find fear. When I cling to truth, I bring find peace. Lies bring chains. Truth brings freedom. Lies bring despair. Truth brings hope. Lies bring brokenness. Truth brings promise. Lies bring failure. Truth brings fulfillment. Lies bring darkness. Truth brings light. I could go on and on and on. But it's a choice. I am the daughter of missionaries. Men and women have gone out for centuries to share God's word around our world. And one of the stories that most touched my soul, I went to Wheat College in my undergraduate, was the story of Jim Elliott and his brothers in Christ who went to the Amazon and they took their families there with the intent to build relationships with the people who lived within the jungle so that they could then bring them the good news of truth, not lies. They went through a whole process of building relationships, and one day they landed on a, an airstrip. The five guys got out, they had gifts, they were trying to build these relationships, and tragically, all five of them were murdered by the very people that they had given their lives to go see. See, when stuff like this happens in our life, it's really easy to believe the lie. Five young men cut down in their prime. Where was God? Are you kidding me? But what happened is, there's more to that story. Because with the truth, there is a bigger picture that happens. Lies is for right now, and it'll just bring us down. With truth, there's an eternal perspective. Their wives went back and built relationships with those people. And I actually heard Elizabeth Elliot speak with one of the men that had murdered her husband. 
knows the Lord. And there's a vibrant Christian community. My parents are part of a huge movement of young people who, as a result of this, gave their lives to preserve Christ around the world. See, the bottom line is that lies bring us into the spiral downwards, whereas truth brings us into incredible fulfillment. But we need to make the choice to choose truth. As I close today, I just want to pray truth over you. And I want this new year, 2015, to be one where we as a community walk in truth. God is using this ministry in your life, we would love to hear from you. Email us at mystory@ourcitychurch.org. For more information about the church, visit www.ourcitychurch.org.